0: Section 14 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. M. L. Cohen, Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 4 by Henry Gray. The Forebrain, Part 2. The telencephalon. The telencephalon includes 1. The cerebral hemispheres with their cavities, the lateral ventricles, and 2. The pars optica hopothalami, and the anterior portion of the third ventricle already described under the diencephalon. As previously stated, each cerebral hemisphere may be divided into three fundamental parts, that is the Rhine encephalon, the corpus striatum, and the neopallium. The Rhine associated with the sense of smell, is the oldest part of the teal encephalon and forms almost the whole of the hemisphere in some of the lower animals, that is fishes, amphibians, and reptiles. In man, it is rudimentary, whereas the neopallium undergoes great development and forms the chief part of the hemisphere. The Cerebral Hemispheres The cerebral hemispheres constitute the largest part of the brain and, when viewed together from above, assume the form of an ovoid mass broader behind than in front, the greatest transverse diameter corresponding with a line connecting the two parietal eminences. The hemispheres are separated medially by a deep cleft termed a longitudinal cerebral fissure, and each possesses a central cavity, the lateral ventricle. The longitudinal cerebral fissure. Fissura cerebri longitudinalis, great longitudinal fissure, contains a sickle-shaped process of dura mater, the Falc cerebri. In front and behind, the fissure extends from the upper to the under surfaces of the hemispheres and completely separates them, but its middle portion separates them for only about one half of their vertical extent for at this part they are connected across the middle line by a great central white commissure, the corpus callosum. In a median sagittal section, the cut corpus callosum presents the appearance of a broad arched band. Its thick posterior end, termed a splenium, overlaps the midbrain but is separated from it by the telochoroidia of the third ventricle and the pineal body. Its anterior curved end, termed the genu, gradually tapers into a thinner portion, the rostrum, which is continued downward and backward in front of the anterior commissure to join the lamina terminalis. Arching backward from immediately behind the anterior commissure to the undersurface of the splenium is a second white band named the fornix. Between this and the corpus callosum are the laminae and cavity of the septum pellucidum. Surfaces of the Cerebral Hemispheres Each hemisphere presents three surfaces, lateral, medial, and inferior. The lateral surface is convex in adaptation to the concavity of the corresponding half of the vault of the cranium. The medial surface is flat and vertical and is separated from that of the opposite hemisphere by the great longitudinal fissure and the Falk cerebri. The inferior surface is of an irregular form and may be divided into three areas anterior, middle, and posterior. The anterior area formed by the orbital surface of the frontal lobe is concave and rests on the roof of the orbit and nose. The middle area is convex and consists of the undersurface of the temporal lobe. It is adapted to the corresponding half of the middle cranial fossa. The posterior area is concave, directed medialward as well as downward and is termed the tentorial surface, since it rests upon the tentorium cerebelli, which intervenes between it and the upper surface of the cerebellum. These three surfaces are separated from each other by the following borders: a. superior medial between the lateral and medial surfaces, b. inferior lateral between the lateral and inferior surfaces. The anterior part of this border separating the lateral from the orbital surface is known as the superciliary border, c. medial occipital separating the medial and tentorial surfaces, and D, medial orbital, separating the orbital from the medial surface. The anterior end of the hemisphere is named the frontal pole, the posterior of the occipital pole, and the anterior end of the temporal lobe, the temporal pole. About 5 centimeters in front of the occipital pole, on the inferior lateral border, is an indentation or notch named the preoccipital notch. The surfaces of the hemispheres are molded into a number of irregular eminences named gyri or convolutions, and separated by furrows termed fissures and sulci. The furrows are of two kinds complete and incomplete. The former appear earlier in fetal life, are few in number, and are produced by infoldings of the entire thickness of the brain wall and give rise to the corresponding elevations in the interior of the ventricle. They comprise the hippocampal fissure and parts of the calcarine and collateral fissures. The incomplete furrows are very numerous and only indent the subjacent white substance without producing any corresponding elevations in the ventricular cavity. The gyri and their intervening fissures and the sulci are fairly constant in their arrangement. At the same time, they vary within certain limits, not only in different individuals, but on the two hemispheres of the same brain. The convoluted condition of the surface permits a great expansion of the gray matter without the sacrifice of much additional space. The number and extent of the gyri, as well as the depth of the intervening furrows, appear to bear a direct relation to the intellectual powers of the individual. Certain of the fissures and sulci are utilized for the purpose of dividing the hemisphere into lobes, and are therefore termed interlobular, included under this category are the lateral cerebral, parietal occipital calcarine, and collateral fissures, the central and cingulate sulci, and the sulcus circularis. The lateral cerebral fissure, fissura lateralis cerebri Sylvii, fissure of sylvius, is a well-marked cleft on the inferior and lateral surfaces of the hemisphere and consists of a shirt stem which divides into three rami. The stem is situated at the base of the brain, And commences in a depression at the lateral angle of the anterior perforated substance. From this point, it extends between the anterior part of the temporal lobe and the orbital surface of the frontal lobe and reaches the lateral surface of the hemisphere. Here it divides into three rami, an anterior horizontal, an anterior ascending, and a posterior. The anterior horizontal ramus passes forward about 2.5 centimeters into the inferior frontal gyrus, while the anterior ascending ramus extends upward into the same convolution for about an equal distance. The posterior ramus is the longest. It runs backward and slightly upward for about seven centimeters and ends by an upward inflection in the parietal lobe. The central sulcus, sulcus centralis rolandi, fissure of rolando, central fissure, is situated about the middle of the lateral surface of the hemisphere and begins in or near the longitudinal cerebral fissure a little behind its midpoint. It runs sinuously downward and forward and ends a little above the posterior ramus of the lateral fissure and about 2.5 centimeters behind the anterior ascending ramus of the same fissure. It described two chief curves, a superior genu with its concavity directed forward and an inferior genu with its concavity directed backward. The central sulcus forms an angle opening forward of about 70 degrees with the median plane. The parietal occipital fissure, fissura parietal occipitalis, only a small part of this fissure is seen on the lateral surface of the hemisphere, its chief part being on the medial surface. The lateral part of the parietal occipital fissure is situated about 5 cm in front of the occipital pole of the hemisphere and measures about 1.25 cm in length. The medial part of the parietal occipital fissure runs downward and forward as a deep cleft on the medial surface of the hemisphere and joins the calcarine fissure below and behind the posterior end of the corpus callosum. In most cases, it contains the submerged gyrus. The calcarine fissure, fissura calcarina, is on the medial surface of the hemisphere. It begins near the occipital pole in two converging rami and runs forward to a point a little below the splenium of the corpus callosum, where it is joined at an acute angle by the medial part of the parietal occipital fissure. The anterior part of this fissure gives rise to the prominence of the calcare avis and the posterior corneal of the lateral ventricle. The cingulate sulcus, sulcus cinguli, marginal fissure, is on the medial surface of the hemisphere. It begins below the anterior end of the corpus callosum and runs upward and forward nearly parallel to the rostrum of this body and, curving in front of the genu, is continued backward above the corpus callosum and finally ascends to the superior medial border of the hemisphere a short distance behind the upper end of the central sulcus. It separates the superior frontal from the cingulate gyrus. The collateral fissure, Fissura collateralis, is on the tentorial surface of the hemisphere and extends from near the occipital pole to within a short distance of the temporal pole. Behind, it lies below and lateral to the calcarine fissure, from which it is separated by the lingual gyrus. In front, It is situated between the hippocampal gyrus and the anterior part of the fusiform gyrus. The sulcus circularis, circuminsular fissure, is on the lower and lateral surfaces of the hemisphere. It surrounds the insula and separates it from the frontal, parietal, and temporal lobes. The Lobes of the Hemispheres By means of these fissures and sulci, assisted by certain arbitrary lines, each hemisphere is divided into the following lobes. The frontal, the parietal, the temporal, the occipital, the limbic, and the insula. Frontal lobe. lobus frontalis. On the lateral surface of the hemisphere, this lobe extends from the frontal pole to the central sulcus, the latter separating it from the parietal lobe. Below, it is limited by the posterior ramus of the lateral fissure, which intervenes between it and the central lobe. On the medial surface, it is separated from the cingulate gyrus by the cingulate sulcus, and on the inferior surface, it is bounded behind by the stem of the lateral fissure. The lateral surface of the frontal lobe is traversed by three sulci, which divide it into four gyri. The sulci are named the precentral and the superior and inferior frontal. The gyri are the anterior central and the superior middle and inferior frontal. The precentral sulcus runs parallel to the central sulcus and is usually divided into an upper and a lower part. Between it and the central sulcus is the anterior central gyrus. From the precentral sulcus, the superior and inferior frontal sulci run forward and downward and divide the remainder of the lateral surface of the lobe into three parallel gyri, named respectively the superior, middle, and inferior frontal gyri. The anterior central gyrus, gyrus centralis anterior, Ascending frontal convolution, precentral gyrus, is bounded in front by the precentral sulcus. Behind by the central sulcus, it extends from the superior medial border of the hemisphere to the posterior ramus of the lateral fissure. The superior frontal gyrus, gyrus frontalis superior, superior frontal gyrus, is situated above the superior frontal sulcus and is continued onto the medial surface of the hemisphere. The portion on the lateral surface of the hemisphere is usually more or less completely subdivided into an upper and a lower part by the anterior-posterior sulcus, the paramedian sulcus, which, however, is frequently interrupted by bridging gyri. The middle frontal gyrus, gyrus frontalis medius, medial frontal gyre, between the superior and inferior frontal sulci, is continuous with the anterior orbital gyrus on the inferior surface of the hemisphere. It is frequently subdivided into two by a horizontal sulcus, the medial frontal sulcus of Eberstaller, which ends anteriorly in a wide bifurcation. The inferior frontal gyrus, gyrus frontalis inferior subfrontal gyre, lies below the inferior frontal sulcus and extends forward from the lower part of the precentral sulcus. It is continuous with the lateral and posterior orbital gyri on the undersurface of the lobe. It is subdivided by the anterior horizontal and ascending rami of the lateral fissure into three parts. One, the orbital part, below the anterior horizontal ramus of the fissure. Two, the triangular part, cap of Broca, between the ascending and horizontal rami. And three, the basilar part, behind the anterior ascending ramus. The left inferior frontal gyrus is, as a rule, more highly developed than the right, and is named the gyrus of Broca, from the fact that Broca described it as the center for articulate speech. The inferior or orbital surface of the frontal lobe is concave and rests on the orbital plate of the frontal bone. It is divided into four orbital gyri by a well marked H shaped orbital sulcus. These are named from their position the medial, anterior, lateral, and posterior orbital gyri. The medial orbital gyrus presents a well marked anterior posterior sulcus, the olfactory sulcus, for the olfactory tract. The portion medial to this is termed a straight gyrus and is continuous with the superior frontal gyrus on the medial surface. The medial surface of the frontal lobe is occupied by the medial part of the superior frontal gyrus, marginal gyrus. It lies between the cingulate sulcus and the superior medial margin of the hemisphere. The posterior part of this gyrus is sometimes marked off by a vertical sulcus and is distinguished as the paracentral lobule because it is continuous with the anterior and posterior central gyri. Parietal lobe Lobus parietalis. The parietal lobe is separated from the frontal lobe by the central sulcus, but its boundaries below and behind are not so definite. Posteriorly, it is limited by the parietal occipital fissure and by a line carried across the hemisphere from the end of the fissure towards the preoccipital notch. Below, it is separated from the temporal lobe by the posterior ramus of the lateral fissure and by a line carried backward from it to meet the line passing downward to the preoccipital notch. The lateral surface of the parietal lobe is cleft by a well-marked furrow the intraparietal sulcus of Turner, which consists of an oblique and a horizontal portion. The oblique part is named the postcentral sulcus, and commences below, about midway between the lower end of the central sulcus and the upturned end of the lateral fissure. It runs upward and backward parallel to the central sulcus and is sometimes divided into an upper and a lower ramus. It forms the hinder limit of the posterior central gyrus. From about the middle of the postcentral sulcus, or from the upper end of its inferior ramus, the horizontal portion of the intraparietal sulcus is carried backward and slightly upward on the parietal lobe and is prolonged under the name of the occipital ramus onto the occipital lobe, where it divides into two parts, which form nearly a right angle with the main stem and constitute the transverse occipital sulcus. The part of the parietal lobe above the horizontal portion of the interparietal sulcus is named the superior parietal lobule, the part below, the inferior parietal lobule. The posterior central gyrus gyrus centralis posterior ascending parietal convolution post-central gyrus, extends from the longitudinal fissure above to the posterior ramus of the lateral fissure below. It lies parallel with the anterior central gyrus with which it is connected below and also sometimes above the central sulcus. The superior parietal lobule, lobulus parietalis superior, is bounded in front by the upper part of the postcentral sulcus, but is usually connected with the posterior central gyrus above the end of the sulcus. Behind it is the lateral part of the parietal occipital fissure, around the end of which it is joined to the occipital lobe by a curved gyrus, the arcus parietal occipitalis. Below, it is separated from the inferior parietal lobule by the horizontal portion of the intraparietal sulcus. The inferior parietal lobule, lobulus parietalis inferior, subparietal district or lobule, lies below the horizontal portion of the intraparietal sulcus and behind the lower part of the postcentral sulcus. It is divided from before backward into two gyri. One, the supramarginal arches over the upturned end of the lateral fissure. It is continuous in front with the postcentral gyrus and behind with the superior temporal gyrus. The second, the angular, arches over the posterior end of the superior temporal sulcus, behind which it is continuous with the middle temporal gyrus. The medial surface of the parietal lobe is bounded behind the medial part of the parietal occipital fissure. In front, by the posterior end of the cingulate sulcus, and below, it is separated from the cingulate gyrus by the subparietal sulcus. It is of small size and consists of a square-shaped convolution, which is termed the precuneus, or quadrate, lobe lobus occipitalis. The occipital lobe is small and pyramidal in shape. It presents three surfaces, lateral, medial, and tentorial. The lateral surface is limited in front by the lateral part of the parietal occipital fissure and by a line carried from the end of this fissure to the pre-occipital notch. It is traversed by the transverse occipital and lateral occipital sulci The transverse occipital sulcus is continuous with the posterior end of the occipital ramus of the intraparietal sulcus and runs across the upper part of the lobe, a short distance behind the parietal occipital fissure. The lateral occipital sulcus extends from behind forward and divides the lateral surface of the occipital lobe into a superior and inferior gyrus, which are continuous in front with the parietal and temporal lobes. The medial surface of the occipital lobe is bounded in front by the medial part of the parietal occipital fissure and is traversed by the calcarine fissure, which subdivides it into the cuneus and the lingual gyrus. The cuneus is a wedge-shaped area between the calcarine fissure and the medial part of the parietal occipital fissure. The lingual gyrus lies between the calcarine fissure and the posterior part of the collateral fissure. Behind, it reaches the occipital pole. In front, it is continued on to the tentorial surface of the temporal lobe and joins the hippocampal gyrus. The tentorial surface of the occipital lobe is limited in front by an imaginary transverse line through the preoccipital notch and consists of the posterior part of the fusiform gyrus, occipitotemporal convolution, and the lower part of the lingual gyrus, which are separated from each other by the posterior segment of the collateral fissure. End of section 14